Welcome to the Backyard Blitz. It is March 30th, 2022. Today we talk about the new overtime rules. We rank the AFC West and with the NFL draft less than a month away, we start talking about our draft crushes. Football is right here, right now. Let's get it. All right, welcome to the Backyard Blitz. I'm Brandon Peebler. That's Ronnie Eastham. Follow us on Twitter at the Backyard Blitz at Peebler22 at Ronnie Eastham. Make sure you check us out on YouTube as well, the Backyard Blitz, and uh, make sure you subscribe. Hit those notifications up at the top so you know when we go live when our new content's out there. Ronnie, how you doing, man? Dude, I'm doing great. Can't I mean? Give closer to September would be even better, but doing right about. How about yourself? I'm doing good, man. Uh, I feel the the same way. Uh, the wife put together a TikTok of I saw a that. compilation of some of my <laughs> reactions to the playoff game uh, against the Cowboys, and I am thirsty for some football, man. It is <laughs> the end of March, and I feel I feel like we need something going. But we got the draft coming yeah. up in a month. Um, we still got a lot of football that we got to talk about. There's a lot of things that have been shifting around and not to mention uh, this actually broke about an hour before the show, but Bruce Arians kind of shocking that he is retiring, stepping away into the front office actually uh, from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What were your initial thoughts on this, Ronnie? Uh, I guess a little bit surprised uh, just because we hadn't really heard any rumors or anything, but at the same time, he's, uh, he's getting up there. He's in his seventies. And uh, uh, I don't know. I think it, with all the rumors that we've been hearing of Brady wanting to go elsewhere, uh, potentially trades and all that, I think this is just going to kind of add some fuel to that fire. But at the end of the day, I don't think anything's going to happen. Nothing's going to change or come of it. Yeah. What's interesting is normally coaches, like if they go to, to you know, normally they're fired. Let's Let's be honest there. <laughs> and it's because their team's not doing well, but, I mean, all intents and purposes, Tom Brady's coming back. They are going to have a competitive roster. Um, so to me, it was kind of shocking that after, you know, a couple weeks into free agency and about a month before the draft that he kind of steps away and goes into the front office. Um, I mean, really leaving the team. I mean, they're, they're supposed to be good. So it's kind of in, in a weird way. It's like, why would you step away from another opportunity to potentially win the Super Bowl? But he's not fully stepping away from the game. I mean, being part of the front office is great, but um, Todd Bowles is going to be taking over for him um, as the head coach, not an interim, like in internal hire, like which right. came out almost immediately as we were texting, who's it going to be? Well, we had the answer. Bam, Todd Bowles. <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts there? He has had some previous coaching experience before. Uh, there's a reason why he's not a head coach anymore too. Um, we'll see. And uh, I think I think that a lot of the, the – we've talked about this before when it comes to head coaches. To an extent, my personal opinion, they are a little bit overrated. Like I've never seen a, a coach win with, uh, you know, the Jets roster. I've never seen them win with, you know, backups as their starters. You know, so I think I think Bowles will be fine. Uh, the defense – We'll see if he's going to continue to call the plays there or not, who they're going to bring in as a replacement. Uh, the only thing I seemed like there was no hiring process. It was almost like I'm stepping away. This guy's coming in, done. 
Uh, so that was a little unusual. You, typically, you'll see maybe right. a few days where there's a uh, some some rumors flying around. Hey, they're talking to this guy. They're talking to this guy. They're bringing in this guy for an right. interview or whatever. And none of that happened. It was just seamless transition, which I think for the team, that's that's best. Just, you know, uh, the less off the field drama or storylines there are, then obviously the better for the team. Yeah, quite honestly, I don't think they'll miss a beat. Um, he was already their defensive coordinator. I imagine that he's going to be still calling the defensive plays as the head coach. Um, uh, Leftwich, he's still there. So I think he's going to be um, calling the offensive plays. They still got Brady. They still have all the, those pieces. So I think it, it was a good time if Bruce Arians wanted to feel like he, he could step away. I think – I mean, all power to him. Like you said, he's a pretty high intent, high intensity guy. So I imagine, you know, his age and the way that he kind of goes after it a little bit, kind of yeah. might have worn on him a little bit. Kind of makes you wonder if maybe there wasn't some potential health issues there that maybe Doc's told him said you need to, you know, tone it down a notch or two. And he's like, I can't do that, so I'm just going to walk away from. The, yeah, the and he stepped away before. Stuff. He's yeah. done this before, so and kind of come back to the game too. So, uh, wish Bruce Arians all the luck in the world. Uh, congratulations on I'm not sure what front office spot he's going to have. I imagine it might be something with the roster, maybe partnering with the GM potentially, but um, different transition there in Tampa. But this is why we're here, Ronnie. I am really excited. We had a spicy conversation about it the other day. <laughs> We got a new overtime rule, and you have a perspective. I mean, your your perspective of a Buffalo Bills fan and is really kind of why the rule got revisited to begin with was the Kansas City-Buffalo uh, Bills game. So I would love to hear your thoughts. I know that we're going to have a great conversation. Also, anybody that's watching, feel free to jump in on this conversation, comment. We'd love to bring them up. I want to know what your thoughts are on this new overtime rule. Um, and I mean, I guess we should probably spell it out first is that there's a new overtime rule, um, in the postseason only where the both teams are guaranteed a possession. So for instance, the, the rule previously and in the regular season right now, staying the same is if the team wins a coin toss, they can receive the ball. If they drive down and score a touchdown game's over, uh, if they kick a field goal, then the opposing team has an opportunity to get the ball well now in the postseason the rule has now changed the kansas city buffalo bill rule i'm calling it uh <laughs> where the opposing team if, if uh let's say kansas city they go down score a touchdown rather than the game ending right there buffalo would have an opportunity to get the ball go down and score a touchdown to tie it um or the game's over if they're unable to do so uh, what are your thoughts on this, Ronnie? I think uh, I, I think you're pretty positive about this one overall because that was like the main gripe at the end. Josh Allen should have an opportunity, and now he will. Yeah, I think it's definitely a step in the right direction. And, and like I as you said the other day, my opinion on the overtime rule is not based solely on that Chiefs-Bills outcome. It goes back years. I mean, I've been watching football since I was 12 years old, so – not to disclose my age, but it's been a while. Uh, <laughs> we see and the I've always, <laughs> I have always hated the overtime rule. So this is a step in the right direction. At the end of the day, like, okay, let's take that Chiefs-Bills game. I do think Chiefs go down and score a touchdown, obviously, and I think Buffalo does the same. The way that game was playing out, the way the defenses were gassed, I don't think it would have made a difference. In that particular scenario, it becomes sudden death again. So we're right back to where we started. At the end of the day, ultimately, what we need is equal possessions, 
regardless, start him. And this was your idea. Start him at midfield rather than the 25. And other than that, follow the college rules. I, it's not going to elongate the, the game. You're taking out the kickoffs and the punts, which are considered part of most the unsafest parts of the game. So you don't have to worry about that. I think at the end, it, it just makes the most sense. Equal opportunity, no matter what, get rid of this whole sudden death theory. But it says a step in the right direction. Yeah, I, I think now I mentioned to you, and this is what kind of sparked the conversation. As a fan, I love it. As, as a fan, <laughs> we get more football um, in that game, particularly, I would have loved to see Josh Allen get an opportunity. As a former player and a competitor, on as far as the defensive side goes, you know that those guys are saying, you just got to get a stop. If you get a stop, we're not talking about this, right? And that goes for any any one of the games. Um, I definitely think for the entertainment value, it's huge. And we talked about it in our discussion. We have so many elite quarterbacks in the game right now to not give one of them an opportunity at the yeah. end, like a Josh Allen in a divisional playoff game is a travesty. It just doesn't feel right. You know, that, you know, that he's going to make the most of that opportunity if it's given to him. So um, like uh, my mom says right here, lost because of the toss too many times, love the new rule. That was the, the, the sentiment. And I think that was the momentum because that was such a good game. I mean, yeah. it was such a good game. And it didn't go your way, but at, at the same time, phenomenal entertaining game that felt like there was more to be had if there was another possession. And I think that was a, a big part of, you know, this rule getting changed. Yeah. And, and there's a part of me that I think this is kind of funny and cool at the same time. This happened to Mahomes, as we know, a few years back. Right. They changed it for him. Right. They changed it for Allen. That's right. They changed it for the Bills people, not the Chiefs. <laughs> yeah. No, I and I'll say, you know, I, I do think that it's a step in the right direction. But at the end of the day, if if they both go down and score, then it becomes sudden death. And then the team that won the toss would potentially get that second possession. And then we're back for square one to what the old right. overtime rules were, right? And that's my, so it's my almost, only complaint with it, yeah. Yeah. And, and I was saying, well, you know, then you have the opportunity, you know, defense needs to stop them. If they drive down twice on you, you deserve to lose type of thing, which I understand that I, I wish the, the college rule, except you move it to the 50 where you just kind of go back and forth, eliminate the special yeah. teams. I think that would be great, but I, I have a question for you on this. And I was thinking about this and my mind works in, in sometimes a little bit of a different way. I start thinking about strategy, right? Does this change the strategy of winning the toss? Because before you wanted the ball, right? If you got the toss, it was like, yes, we got the ball. We can go down and end it right now. But that's not the case now. The other team is guaranteed an opportunity. So does this change the strategy potentially in how teams are going to want the toss? Because in college, most oftentimes when they they win the toss, they defer and they want to play defense first, and they want to know what they need to score. And my mind started to change towards that. I was like, you know what? If you're guaranteed a possession, why wouldn't you want the opportunity to potentially stop them, get good field position, go down and kick a field goal, or they go down and kick a field goal, and you say, okay, I know I'm getting the ball. I can go score a touchdown. Worst case scenario, they score a touchdown, and you got to go do it anyway. But you at least know what you need to get, because I feel like – that second possession, you can almost get 
conservative if they go if they kick a field goal you know you get down there and you could go end it potentially but then i feel like and we've seen this all too many times you get in that 25 yard range they don't really air it out they'll start to run the ball be a little bit conservative and play that field position to get a really good chance at a field goal would this change your thinking about the toss and what you'd want to do um in that scenario let's go back to the bills and chiefs would this change uh, the scenario of what you'd want to do if you won the toss so first of all, bringing up the Chiefs and Bills game is a that's a case in and of itself. I think before I move forward with that, I'm going to go back really quick. The whole idea of the defense needs to make a stop. I get that, but why shouldn't both defenses have to make a stop? So that's my thing on that. Ooh, you riled me up, Ronnie. They had 60 minutes to do it. <laughs> they had another opportunity to do it. I know both teams had opportunities, and neither one of them could do it. So, anyways, I think the coin toss in overtime, it's going to be a case by case basis. If you're in a defensive battle and your defenses, both sides are, are dominating, uh, I think, yeah, it makes sense maybe to defer. But in the Bills-Chiefs game, the way that was unfolding and the way the offenses were just going up and down the field at will, I think you want that third possession, if you will, that goes to the team that wins the coin toss. Because now you've put yourself in a position where you're probably going to go down and score a touchdown. The way things are going, they're probably going to score on you. Now all you need is a field goal to get the win, and you get that second possession for your offense as opposed to the other way around. So I think it's just a case-by-case basis. If the defenses are dominating and playing really well, maybe you defer and try to get that uh, field position uh, off the punt. Yeah, I really think that – I mean, you're absolutely right. There's there's a lot of those calls that it goes into the feel of the game, right? Yeah. And with this, I mean, when you really take away that – that aspect of it, which is a big aspect, but you want to know what you, what you need, right? Like, just like in the college game, you know, that, you know, for a fact, you're going to get that second possession, you know, it, and you're at the 25 yard line. You want to know if I need a field goal or do I need a touchdown because it changes, it changes how you go about calling plays when you, when you're down there, you wouldn't go for it on fourth down. If you knew all you needed was a field goal to tie, right? You're not going to go for it because you're going to, try try to kick it. So I definitely think we're going to see some some coaches be really aggressive, Brandon Staley probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, he and and say, "Hey, I trust our defense, but if they don't get it done, at least we know what we need." And then I trust Justin Herbert. I can see that uh aspect of it. Um but this is all in in, in the postseason and when we have postseason football, I imagine that there's a piece of it that goes into where they're playing, what the weather's like, yeah. um, you know, who's what they're doing that day. So I think it's going to be, it's going to be different. It's not going to be the default. Yes. We'll take the ball. Yeah. I think there's, there's going to be, be differences. Gonna, yeah. There's going to be some differences. I'll be curious lot, to see how many teams actually go for that field goal on that first possession though. Uh, or will they, be more uh, aggressive and be like, no, we're not settling for a field goal. And I know it's maybe, let's say it's, I don't know, fourth and six, and you've got a 35-yard field goal lined up. Do they like, okay, I know the other guys are getting a possession, so do I go for it here? Do I risk it? Or or do, you know, I, gotta, I think yeah. that's going to be another dynamic I think, I think you got to kick there. Um, I, I mean, but you're right. Your you're right. What if you're on the one-yard line? What yeah. I mean, one, two, inside the five, right? And you have an opportunity to score a touchdown. And I feel like before is they would go for it. 
we're, let's try to end it. We can try to end this right now. If we don't, they get the ball at the five. Now, one thing I'm kind of unclear on is so you're well, yeah, I guess you're if you get that, if you, you get a stop, then they would get the ball at the five. So I would almost still go for it because you have the field position and kind of stats show that yeah. if you're backed up against the five, you're more likely to get a stop right. and better field position to get a field goal. Well, um, and here's a thought instead of getting doing a kickoff, just start. Well, okay, keep the kickoff, but kickoff for both teams. So you get one possession. Team kicks it off to you. You get a field goal, touchdown, nothing, whatever. Don't punt it. Now you kick it off to the other team. Take the punt out of the equation and just start fresh with both possessions. I think that'd be cool. Yeah, that would be that. That would be different. But then you have the defenders getting real pissed. Then hey, we stopped them. That's why we stopped them. We wanted the field position. You know what I mean? Then they'd be all up in arms. They, they more, stopped more them up in arms than to get, if you get a stop. Yeah, you're all. You're not about them. You don't love defenses. I, I get it now. I get it. You, you just want the offensive guys running around. I'm just trying to find the most fair option. And at the end of the day, started at the 50 yard line and just college rules from that point. I think I think that's the best way to go about it. I mean, when you think about that, if, if you think about you start both, you take the kickoff out of it. You have the coin toss. Whoever gets the ball first instead of the 25, you put it at the 50. They're just outside field goal range. It still puts an advantage to the team that has a really good kicker, i.e. the Baltimore Ravens that can kick a 66-yarder, right? But most likely they're outside of field goal range. They have to earn their way into field goal range and go from there. And then the other team has the same opportunity, right? And then if you get a, if, they, if they do the same thing, boom, go right back to it. Yeah, And I, I just think it takes away – I mean, think about all those plays that it's going to take to get that 25 yards anyway, right, to the field position. I just think it would be a really neat way uh, to go about it. And it, I just think about that Chiefs-Bills game. That game might have gone on forever potentially <laughs> if you gave them at the 50. Uh, but, man. Which that, is why that the – which is exactly what college does, the two-point rule after that first uh, round of possession. So – that that in theory shortens it up, and and, yeah. and for the most part it has. I do believe there was one game last year that actually went like seven overtimes, even with that two point rule. And I don't remember the teams, but it was insane. Uh, so it's still going to happen sometimes, even with that right. type of a rule. But it's it's unlikely, not like it used to be. I, I will say it's been interesting over the last couple of days to hear coaches because the the NFL owners meetings are going on, and obviously that change took place on the first day. And you, I've had a chance to listen to Kyle Shanahan talk about it. Um, other coaches, Mike Tomlin, he was so against it because he's like, you know, and he was very, he's very defensive minded. So he was like, if you just get a stop, we're not talking about this. Kyle Shanahan was really funny about it. He goes, I just want to know what the rule is. So I know what we're going to play by. <laughs> like, I don't care what they are, which yeah. I thought was, it was, it's so interesting to see the different perspectives from coach to coach and how they think about yeah. the overtimes. But I believe there was only three teams that voted against it. I, I haven't the Vikings, seen the exact numbers. The Vikings were one. I know the Dolphins. I'm pretty sure that they were another one. And uh, our buddy Scott, we were in a, a text thread, <laughs> and he said, I can't believe that the Minnesota Vikings <laughs> voted against it. And I made the joke of, well, they probably just saw postseason and just figured it wasn't yeah. them. <laughs> you know, my whole theory – I actually love defenses, and I feel, and I'm one of those people that tell you the defense wins championships. My opinion on that is slightly wavered because of the way the game is played now and, and yeah. the rules and whatnot. But my my thing is, 
Okay, I get it. If the defense just gets a stop. But it, why should only one defense have to get a stop? Why not both of them? It's a team game. If you want to make it the most fair, both defenses get a stop. Both offenses have to try to score, not just one or the other. That, to me, is completely just – it's just dumb. <laughs> that, that's like saying, uh, I don't know, talk, talking baseball – you guys get to go out there and hit, but the other team, when you take the field, you can you can pitch, but you can't have any fielders. No, there's no defense behind the pitcher. Like, I don't know. We could go on forever. <laughs> oh, I, I I know we can. And the the thing about it is, there's there's always until it's perfect, right? And there's always I don't think we're ever going to get there. I think we're really really trying. And and uh, Debbie, she brings up a great point. They're tired for four quarters. All comes down to who wants it more. The, the main thing is part of the player safety comes into this, right? Of you can't go on forever. Like these yeah. guys have already played a high speed, high collision sport. I think that's one thing that makes football so unique to the other sports, right? When you compare the overtimes to, let's say, baseball or you compare it to basketball or hockey or whatever it is. Hockey is the one that I would say is the closest just because of how physical it is. In regular season, I think they only play like five minutes of overtime. Then they go to the shootout and say the hell with it. We'll go to a shootout. Uh, but in the postseason, they will go on Tampa, forever. Yeah. They'll go on forever yeah. Oh, yeah. until they get that goal. So, Yeah, uh, I think so. NBA does five minutes. I think NHL is 10 minutes. I I could be wrong on that number, but I think it's 10. Either way, those guys are flying. And and, uh, I mean, to get a goal, just to watch (laughs) those guys, by the way, and handle the puck, the fact that it ever hits the back of the net to me is unbelievable. Um, But I think you're right. I think you're right. And one thing that I was going to say about this, this does make it a defensive game. Because the team with the the better defense is going to win, right? If you have both offenses that are high-powered and they're going down, it's still going to come down to the defense that made a stop. Which defense is going to make the play, yeah. What defense is going to make the play, exactly. What defense is going to uh, hold them to the field position or hold a team to a field goal or force a turnover, right? So it's it. I think for this, just to get the opportunity, it still becomes – the offenses are great, but it's going to come down to the focus of the defense. What defense is better? Is it going to be the one that that obviously gave up the touchdown? Now your turn. Are you going to be able to get the stop or not? And I think. And then if they don't, look at it, yeah, it's back to the offense done. again. <laughs> Abs- absolutely, absolutely. So um, it's going to be awesome, and it's for the postseason only. And I think it's perfect for that. I think it's absolutely perfect for for it with the amount of elite quarterbacks that are out there it's a travesty for them not to get an opportunity in overtime so i love it i'm i'm excited i hope that we get to see it right in (laughs) in the playoffs i don't know there hasn't been a lot of opportunities uh you know i think it's like maybe one every postseason where they go down and and they end it uh with a touchdown and that's just been the last couple years i know it might be down to just a handful of times um that it's happened but it's it's going to be one of those things that when it happens, that game is going to be amazing. We already know it because it's yeah. in overtime. They went down and scored a touchdown. And you want to talk about high-pressure situation in the playoffs. You have to go down and score. T- like, not hopefully you go down and score a touchdown and try to end the game. No, you have to now. Yeah. Like, 
fourth and 85. It doesn't matter. You're going to have to try to pull something <laughs> out to, to get Those something Those are the done. types of drives to separate the good ones from the greats for sure. I'll tell you what, if there's a pass interference call that, you know, sets up, <laughs> oh my God, I can already see just that, that pressure, oh. but. Dawson, you're right. I don't know how they're going to get rid of, of the ties in, in the regular season. I hate them. They don't happen often, but when they do, it's just like, man, we played an extra 10 minutes and, and that's what happened. And the teams always like drag down that time too in, in the regular season. So I think they're going to eventually have to fix that. And maybe if it works this, this upcoming postseason, that it will be something that they go, okay, that was awesome. We got to have this in our regular season product. You imagine a Monday night game that that goes down like to that. Yeah. That's going to be pretty cool. But yeah, I agree. Get rid of the ties. I hate them. They got to <laughs> figure out a way to, to do that in the regular season for sure. So next up, we got the AFC West. There's been so many different things that have happened. And one recently that we haven't had the chance to talk about is Tyree kill. We've had so many additions to the AFC West. <laughs> We've had one subtraction and it's one that I know that Ronnie, you were smiling <laughs> from ear to ear about this one is Tyree kill leaving the Kansas City chiefs. He got traded to the Miami dolphins, which have fun at the beach. The only way he's ever going to buy or go to the super bowl is by buying a ticket. I feel like, Sorry, Dolphins fans. That's just the way that I feel. <laughs> yeah. At least with two of there, I don't. I feel like yeah. that that's going to hurt him. But how does the AFC West rank now for you? Because I feel like that's a huge hit to Kansas that's City. Huge. And you said there's so that one major subtraction. I would argue there's two. Tyree Matthew, Matthew, uh, he's not coming back. You're arguably your best defensive player and your best offensive weapon. You can consider Mahomes a weapon or not, but. Um, it's huge. I think I was kind of so earlier today. I was kind of going through their their schedule as far as their opponents go. Um, the Chiefs are playing a first place schedule, so they've got to play Buffalo. Right. They're they're playing your division, so they got to take on the Rams, the Niners, the Cardinals. Who I'm not really sold on the Cardinals, quite honestly yet. But hey, they were. It depends on when they play them. <laughs> if, yeah. if it's the first half of the season, the Cardinals <laughs> will be tough. Uh, I, I well, at Arizona. Really quick, I think they're in for a down year. I just think with the whole Kyler Murray thing, the way things played out last year and ended, the way the they lost Chandler went Jones, Murray, lost Chandler Jones. I think I think the Cardinals are in for a down downward spiral this coming season. This isn't about them though. So the Chiefs have the tougher schedule between those four teams. I really think the Chiefs are going to be last. I think they're going to fall to the number four in that, that division. Now, it is quite possible that all four teams can still make the playoffs. So don't. I'm not saying that they won't, but they could easily be number four. You know, when you break down the teams, I don't think that people realize what the impact that Tyreek Hill has on that offense. Yeah, and I understand that he. I think it's he has like a four and one record with without Tyreek Hill. Who are they playing? Okay, like I mean, I want to know who they're playing. the The main thing is, it changes the way that you have to defend them. It changes the way that you can you can go and attack. You can play press man coverage because you're not afraid of his speed anymore. You're not. Yeah. You're not afraid of having to give up so much space and him taking the top off. You can come up and play a little bit more aggressive, which the teams that have been successful against Kansas City have done. Because they've been able to 
manage Tyreek Hill in a way where he's not able to take the top off. And Kansas City struggles. They do. When Tyreek Hill is getting going, whether he's on a, a man-to-man drag route, which is a horrible matchup for any defense against Tyreek Hill because that's the one man-beater right across the middle, dragging across. And that's what hurt Buffalo uh, and many teams when they play against the Kansas City Chiefs is he takes a quick slant or a drag and he takes it 65 for a touchdown. Yeah. You don't have to worry about that anymore. You don't. Tyreek Hill's gone. You got Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Juju Smith-Schuster, which they're both good players, but they're not to the speed of which Tyreek Hill is. Just his speed alone makes it makes it more available for a Travis Kelsey over the middle. He's got more room to work with because those safeties are so deep. Now they're up a little bit more. I think it's going to change that. And to your point, Ronnie, I don't think people realize the, the impact that it's going to have. But I think your argument of, yep, they could be fourth in that division very easily because I think the Raiders have a more complete team right now with their pass rushers. I think the Chargers have a more complete team with their offense and pass rushers. And if you look at what Denver's done, they were not that far away. They added a really good quarterback to a really good defense and a team that can pound the ball. I think Kansas City's going to get smacked in the mouth next year. And I've been I said this at the beginning of last year. I and we saw Kansas City go I what were they 3 and 5 or 4 and 5 early on in, in the season and then came back and went on a run. They yeah. struggled in the early parts of last year too. And I just think that without that dynamic speed from Tyree Kill, it's a completely different offense. They yeah. can't they're not going to be able to gun it down the field and have all that space because it's just simply not there because he's not taking the the top off. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Uh, you know, even like Kelsey, he's not going to be able to operate the same way uh, as before. Um, and and yes, Nicole Hardman has similar speed. He's not quite Tyreek Hill's speed, but he's fast. But he doesn't have the route running that Hill has. So, I mean, we've seen Olympic sprinters in the NFL all the time. The Raiders are notorious for drafting speed guys. And it doesn't always work out. But right. when you pair that with some route running ability, that makes a huge difference. And that's what you get it with does. Nicole Hardman. He can run, sure, but he doesn't have that uh, that route, the, the route tree down the way that he'll could master that thing. So I think it's going to huge, huge uh, impact to them. And like I said, with uh, without Tyran in the backfield of that defense too, uh, it's not going to be pretty. It's not. I mean, in fact, when they were playing Buffalo, uh, I believe Matthew came out of that game early an injury and that's kind of when Buffalo just started shredding them. So I think that's going to be a huge loss too. He was the centerpiece of that secondary. Yeah. He, and, and they didn't just lose Matthew. They also lost Daniel Sorensen, who I do not have a ton of respect for as uh, a safety in the NFL, but nonetheless from Chiefs fans too. <laughs> yeah, uh, they also lost, uh, oh gosh, his first name should Shadavius Ward. Uh, oh. Yeah. To the Ch- Niners. Chavarius. Um, to the Niners. So they're they're already so three pieces of their secondary gone. They're having to replace. Okay. And they already couldn't hardly stop anyone. <laughs> yeah, and, and not only that, but now they're gonna have to like the receivers, Tyree Kill's gone. They they lost some pieces, okay? Yeah. And that's that's the thing. The NFL is built to have teams at the top for a amount of time and have all this parity. Well, the Chiefs have been up there for a while. And I think we're starting to see some of those pieces go. 
Um, we'll have to see. This is the year I want to see how good Patrick Mahomes really is. He's gotten a lot of credit for how that offense is run, right, with the way that he can yeah. sling it around. But now that he doesn't have Tyreek Hill, I think we're going to have he's going to have to rely on being a lot more accurate, uh, being able to uh, hit the ball or hit the back foot and throw the ball. They're also their play caller, Eric Bieniemy. He's going to have to call some runs and some play actions and some boots. They're going to have to play it a little bit more, not like the way that they're playing arena football. They're <laughs> going to have to play it a little bit more like the rest of the world. This, um, you bring up the enemy. That's a good point. This could be a break and break year for him too. He's still trying yeah. to get a head coaching job. Uh, and regardless to what your opinion is or what you believe is the reason he hasn't yet, uh, part of that from what I've heard is that's all Mahomes. It's all that offense. It's all – the Chiefs and Andy Reid, the enemy's just kind of filling in the spot and carrying a title. So we're going to see, I think, this year if he can be more creative and if he can get more out of that receiving core than what we think that they can get uh, without Hill in the game. Um, but I also want to touch on this is one of the things that I love about the Buffalo Bills roster is knock on wood. We haven't had anybody just yet since McDermott came in that just like, I just want more money. Give me more money or I'm out. And yeah. I saw a number – I've seen a number of guys on that roster take pay cuts. We've seen Tom Brady do it for his team. It just it blows my mind. Some of these guys, Tyreek Hill, I'm sorry, $25 million a year is not enough for me. I want 28 or I'm gone. Like, come on. <laughs> Are you kidding yeah. me? Like, we sit yeah. here and we work our butts off to, you know, support our families on what we're getting. And these guys, he wants to squabble over an extra $3 million per year, 25 versus 28 or whatever the exact numbers are. I, I didn't have respect for him before, and I have even less now. I think the big thing that comes to that is for, for a receiver, you're only as good as your quarterback. I mean, and a lot of receivers will tell you that. There's a connection that you have with your quarterback. I, I don't understand, and, and this is coming from the, the player side of me, I don't understand why you'd want to leave that situation of the Chiefs. Yeah. Like you're you're in the playoffs every single year. You help make that offense. You have one of the best young quarterbacks in the game that's there. Why in the world are you going to go to Miami where you have a huge question mark at quarterback? He's a lefty, and you have a new head coach, and they're trying to rebuild stuff down there. I get you want to be part of that, but two is not he does not have the arm that Patrick Mahomes does. Not even close. Okay. <laughs> not even close. We saw the memes. The memes of the old showing Tebow here, the ball coming out. We've seen that from Tua. That's not that yeah. far off. So, to me, I I definitely think that that's a big. I don't understand that as well. I can understand it more from a quarterback because the team goes through the quarterback. I get that to an extent, but Aaron Rodgers wanting the money that he wanted lost Devonte Adams, right? Even though that they they were able to offer Devonte Adams an enormous amount of money, it pissed. Uh, Devontae Adams off enough where he was like, we're, we're going to lose pieces. We're going to lose pieces. I'm going to go somewhere else that, that has everything else. And um, Derek Carr is going to get yeah. his money as well. But I, I imagine that he's smart enough to know and gone through what he's already gone through to try to get a playoff victory in his career, just period that he's yeah. going to say, I just want pieces around me. Well, and I think the Devontae Adams situation is different in the, the way 
the way that whole thing transpired dating back to even last year when they franchised him a, a season ago and then they franchised him again and then they're giving all this attention to Aaron Rodgers and and signing this big contract I don't think with Adams it was about the money I think it was one he wanted to go play with his friend who he went to college with and spent two years so I get that and two I think he just the way they treated him and the way the, yeah. the club and Rodgers handled that whole situation he was like Hey, am I a part of this, or or what's what's going on? So, uh, I, I don't think I didn't do anything to do with the money. In fact, I, from what I understand, the Packers were offering him the same amount um, as uh, what the Raiders were going to give him as, as well. So, uh, I think at the end of the day, it came down to his personal feelings uh, towards the club and what, how they were treating him, and his personal feelings toward, of course, uh, Carr. Well, and that just goes to show you he he has he has a. Uh, chemistry with Carr that he built in college. He knows he's wait. going to a situation that's going to be a phenomenal. It's going to be a fun uh, situation. So I gotta, I gotta rank these guys first. Before I do that, Chef Chupino, man, I appreciate you, Guy Ford. You're amazing. Um, I appreciate all the love. Um, uh, the the put the number one part on here. <laughs> I'm going to probably. I'm going to say Denver, and, and the reason I'm saying Denver is because I think they're more complete. Um, I'm going to have, and I think it, and mind you, I think it's going to be about a, a, a game or a half a game between one and two, because it's going to be close. Um, I'm going to put number two as the chargers, but they still have a question mark for me at the linebacker position. Um, yeah, they have those pass rushers, but they got ran all over last year because they have some very undersized linebackers. Uh, one of their linebackers actually played safety at Notre Dame, so he's like a hybrid guy. He's he's I think he yeah. only weighs about 220 pounds. Um, they did bring in a new them, defensive tackle. Uh, that'll help. But I, yeah, I don't know how much that's gonna. I mean, I'm sure it's gonna help some somewhat. But yeah, I agree. I think they still have some more work to do on the defensive side. Yeah, I I think that'll help. But I think they're really complete as well. I think they have a lot of receivers. Um, they have. Um, some two really good running backs. And I think adding uh, more to their pass rush is going to make it where they're able to close out games that they didn't close out last year. But I think the Raiders are right there. Derek Carr had a good year last year. People forget that. They all, people want to crap over some of these, uh, these quarterbacks that are right in that eight, nine, 10, because they're not one of the top three. It's yeah. okay not to be one of the top three. Derek Carr had a good year last year. And mm -hmm. you want to know what? They were 30 seconds away um, from tying the game against the AFC champion, uh, Cincinnati Bengals, right? They were right there. They have a good squad around them. They added another pass rusher. They added a primetime receiver to what they already have. They are going to be better than, than what they were last year. They absolutely yeah. are going to be. They also picked up a linebacker from Tennessee. I'm trying to think of what his name is, but he's he's a really good player. He takes away receivers in the slot. He's able to, to cover really well. Um, there's numerous highlights of him taking away Juju Smith-Schuster from uh, their game. So he's a good player that they're, that they're getting. They're adding more and more pieces to that squad. I'm curious what uh, Mike McDaniel is as his second try as a head coach because uh, his first right, go-around yeah. did not go well. His first go-around no. <laughs> did not go well. Um, I'm going to put the Raiders third for right now. I wouldn't be surprised if they won the division, but I think Denver is the most complete team. I think they were so close last year. They were on my radar. They just did not get enough performance 
performance and production from the quarterback position to get it done. And I think they'll be able to do that with Russell Wilson. Um, and I think that's going to make the difference. And I would not be surprised if Kansas City was in that fourth spot. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to go a little different direction. And here's why. So, number one, uh, the Raiders, um, you mentioned that they had a good year. You look at the top five quarterbacks and passing yards from last season, three of them are in this division. <laughs> that includes yeah. Carr. Uh, and then you're bringing in Russell Wilson. So, it's top to bottom. It's going to be the toughest division there is. But the Raiders were 10 and 7 last year, and they've are added a number of pieces. Yeah. They've added Devontae Adams. They've added, like you said, the linebacker, um, Chandler Jones. And there's talks that, that they're probably going to bring and possibly get uh, Stephon Gilmore. That's going to be another huge addition. Now, I know he's or not Matthew. prime Gilmore anymore, but or, or Matthew. So, Based on what they did last year and then adding some pieces, I'm actually going to put the Raiders at one. And I know you're probably going to say that's because it's my wife's team, but it's not. I really do think, (laughs) I really do think with what they did last year and then you're adding some new pieces. I mean, look what Carr did with that receiving core a season ago with basically Rimfro because they lost, uh, oh man, they lost Waller down the stretch for the last five or six weeks. So he had nobody outside of Josh Jacobs to hand it off to and throw it to Hunter Rimfro. And still finished in the top five in passing yards. Still finished with, I want to say, 26 touchdowns, something like that. And now you're going to bring in Devontae Adams and you're going to get a healthy Waller. Oh my gosh. I don't like Denver's got a good defense. They do, but they're not going to stop the Raiders' offense. I, I don't even know that. And the, especially with the way the game's played today. I hate to say this, but I just, I'm not saying the defenses are irrelevant, but the rules make it so hard to play defense now that, um, it is becoming more of an offensive game and the teams that can stand up offensively are most likely the teams that have the advantage. And I, uh, so I got to put the Raiders up there. Number one, number two. Yeah. I think probably Denver and then chargers for me. This division is going to be nuts. I can't wait to watch it. It's going to get real crazy. I'm going to be rooting for the Raiders. I am because I, um, I really enjoy their brand of football. I really enjoy watching Derek Carr. I like the story of of Waller. Um, and yeah. just thinking when you mentioned Renfro or uh, yeah, Hunter Renfro and then the addition of Devontae Adams to that offense, they have oh yeah, they still have Kenyon Drake and uh Josh Jacobs in the backfield. They're gonna be potent. They're gonna be really they're gonna be really tough to beat. Um I especially think they might have the best offense in that in that division. And this might be a little spoiler, and I don't know if you've gotten this far, but I'm going to ask you. Um, so Ronnie's putting together his uh, fantasy football list um, as far as who he has, who ranked where, right? Player, player have you rankings, looked, yeah. Yeah, your, your, your fantasy football rankings. Where do you have Hunter Renfro on this list? Because I imagine that the additions are going to get him some targets because they're not going to be able to just focus on, on Renfro like teams were trying, were trying to. Um, and he was still having a ton of production. I can foresee him having, this is going to be a, a bold statement, but a Cooper cup kind of like year where he's, he's able to get free along the middle and have some favorable matchups and what that offense is able to do because of somebody like Devonte Adams on the outside, much like cup was able to get when they had OBJ on the outside. Um, cause you have to match up against OBJ. You have to match up against Devonte Adams. You have to match yeah. up against Waller. That's going to be, 
tough. You know, are you going to bring in a nickelback to do it? Are you going to try to bring a safety on Waller? How does that affect your rankings uh, right now uh, as far as fantasy football goes? So I, I, I haven't completed that just yet. Uh, been working on it the last couple of days, but my here's my theory on it is I don't know that he's going to necessarily get a lot of touchdowns because I think when they get down in the red zone, that's going to be Waller and Adams all day long. It's between the 20s, though, where I think Renfro is going to get his money at. Uh, a lot of uh, Wells Welker or Nettleman type. I could easily see him having 110, 120 uh, receptions. He's just not going to have the touchdowns to go with it because I think, like I said, at the end of the day, once they get into that red zone, it's going to be either Waller or Adams, or you're going to have Josh Jacobs pounding it up the middle. Uh, so I think that's where the downside is going to be with uh, Hunter as far as fantasy football goes. But if you're in a PPR, he's going to be money for you. He's going to rack up those catches and receptions, right? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm excited to see that. We're going to definitely talk a lot of fantasy football, but there's a, a big event that's coming up in the NFL, and it is roughly just under a month away. April 28th kicks off the NFL draft, and we're going to start to turn our attention to the draft. And we're not going to get into breaking it all the way down today, but we are going to progress that way over the next couple of weeks where we, we're going to have a couple mock drafts uh, that we do. Uh, but what jumps off the page to you right now with this draft class? And do you have any draft crushes so far? <laughs> uh, no, not really. Um, well, okay. I guess if I had to pick one, I would say Brees Hall. Uh, I really like the game that he has and what he brings to the to a team. Uh, it's going to depend on where he goes, though, whether or not he's going to have an impact this year. And, and that's, you know, so going back to the, the fantasy football thing, uh, I'm putting this together, but I'm kind of leaving out the rookies until after the draft, and then I'll plug them in. You got to see I their see situation. Fit. You right, got to see because, their situation. Yeah, because if if Brees Hall gets drafted by, let's say, the 49ers, he's probably not going to be a full-time guy. He's probably going to be a rotational guy with, uh, with Mitchell and maybe even Jeff Wilson. You could probably talk more to that. But then if he gets drafted by – uh, what's a good example? We'll even say Buffalo because I, I love Devin Singletary, but he's not the explosive back that a Brees Hall is. So I think that can definitely change where he goes. But I really like his game, and, and I'm, I'm excited to see where he goes. So I got two. I got two, and I've been looking at them real close, and they're both from the University of Georgia. Shocker on that one. I mean, they, they won the national championship. Yeah. I, fo I followed Georgia – uh, pretty close because my buddy Mark Judway is a huge Georgia fan. Um, but they have an outstanding group of young men that are coming out that are eligible for this this year's draft. Uh, the first one is Jordan Davis. Yeah. Now, Jordan Davis plays interior line uh, for them. Uh, he's a defensive tackle. He's six foot six, 341 pounds. <laughs> this guy ran a ridiculous 40 at the combine i'm i want to say that it was like a four seven eight or something like that uh from an yeah. interior defensive tackle is let me tell that's you nuts. that's scary that's yeah. a that's a prius like <laughs> going at you man um he he's extremely big and athletic and i want to see him go to a scheme that's able to really utilize his talents because i think we see a lot of interior defensive linemen that have uh, uh javon kinlaw's one where it, they're a lot like tight ends where there's so much technique that goes into 
their their handwork and how they're able to get hands off them and, and be able to gain leverage. Um, and usually there's a, a really steep learning curve. But with a mm -hmm. talent like Jordan Davis, I think that he can have a really big rookie year. So I'm curious to see where he's going to go in uh, this draft. And I actually think that he's going to go um, pretty high up there. The next one uh, that I have is the running back uh, from University of Georgia, and that's James Cook. This is Dalvin Cook's brother. He is explosive. He's really explosive, and he reminds me a lot of Dalvin Cook when he has the ball mm -hmm. in his hands. And I think when he get if he gets into the right scheme, matter of fact, you mentioned San Francisco. I don't know if they're going to be in the running back market or not. It wouldn't surprise me because right now they have four and usually they, they like to bring in some competition. That fourth person right now is hasty and he's, he was an undrafted guy out of Baylor, I believe. And he's, he's been hit or miss, but I, I think an explosive player like a Raheem Mostert that they just lost to the dolphins. I think that they might try to replace him potentially if, if a James cook fell that far, which I don't think yeah. he will. But if he did, <laughs> I love him in a scheme like that. I love him in a in a in a place that has a really good quarterback that's able to utilize him in the passing game, um, because he can not only run between the tackles, but he can run really well in a zone scheme. He can run really well in uh, where they can match him up out there at slot receiver or even on the outside, and he can run routes. Yeah. Um, he's that good of a football player. They didn't utilize him that much in uh, the University of Georgia because they had another guy that's in here, Zamir White, um, who I'm actually really high on. But I think James Cook translates a bit more to the pro game uh, than Zamir White does at this point. We've just seen that from him. So I'm excited um, about him. The only thing that I see from him is the yards after contact. Um, but I think that'll be something where you get him in the space. You don't have to really worry about that because yeah. he's got blazing speed. Yeah, I, I can certainly get on board, especially with the running backs, because that's the one pos position that typically year one they can contribute and have a meaningful impact right away. We've seen rookie of the years come out of the backfield but at the running back yeah. position. Uh, I do have concerns with Jordan Davis, not not in his future necessarily, but I have a concern that he's going to rely too much on his physical abilities because you mentioned a while ago the technique. technique. There's a lot of technique that There's goes into it. a lot of technique. It. And these young guys tend to rely on their physical abilities too much, and they get in there and realize, oh, crap, all these guys are physical. I can't outrun yeah. all of them. I can't all these guys are freaks. All of them. Yeah. yeah. So I think it might it could potentially take him a, a year or so to, to, to you know start to, uh, to learn that. And learn some of those techniques and some of the hand fighting that goes on in some of those moves and, and how to set up uh, offensive linemen for your secondary move and things like that. So we'll see what happens with that. I did want to bring this up, though. You're talking about the draft. And uh, so we know that the quarterback position is not one of the – I was going to say, we haven't talked about quarterback yet. <laughs> yeah. So I actually found some information, uh, and I'll give credit. It's uh, Of course, it's from ESPN. <laughs> But uh, Todd McShay and, and John Perlin put together this uh, this chart here listing out seven quarterbacks. And I was kind of like, okay, I think Malik Willis is that guy that if you can develop him, he's got the physical skills, he can run, he's got a good arm, blah, 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 all of that. But listen to this. His QBR when pressured, 2.5 a season ago. Total QBR when blitzed, 42.2. 2. 
The FBS average a season ago was 11.2 under pressure and 66.61 blitz. He is way below way those under. numbers. Uh, and this is I Malik went, Willis you're talking about? Malik Willis, yeah. yeah uh, I, I went back concerns. and yeah, I went back and watched his game against Ole Miss, and because that's the one top 20 opponent that they faced all season, and I, they sacked him seven times. He he just he did not handle the pressure, and you know that's coming in the NFL. So looking at that, I I had some concerns. In fact, uh, they listed some names here. So they've been doing this little table for the last few years now. They've had 34 total quarterbacks. And in that group, they had Clayton Clayton Thorson, Daniel Jones, Jared Stidham, and Nate Stanley. Uh, All four of those finished in kind of the same realm as Malik Willis. Only one we know is Daniel Jones. Yeah, and he may not be a starter much longer. Yeah. Um, So, and really the whole group of them was like that. Um, Kenny Pickett, and here's a name we haven't mentioned, and I don't know if I'm saying this last name right or not, but uh, Bailey Zapp or Zappe, Zappe. Yeah. He's actually pretty good. He has an 18.8 against the uh, total pressure or total QBR 18.8 when pressured. 86.6 86.6 against the Blitz. He's number two behind uh, Pickett. Ritter had a really good QBR when blitzed as well. So there was a couple of guys in there did really well. But, uh, yeah, I, I have my worries about Malik Willis now. I'm a little little worried, a little concerned for his his future. I, so I was I was watching some film on, on Malik Willis, and I, I think people get excited because he's able to get himself out of trouble. But you have to remember that he got himself into trouble. And I'm not talking about off the field. I'm talking about on the field right. when yeah. when he's pressured, right, or, or blitzed. There's a lot of times where he relies on his athleticism to get himself out of situations where he didn't trust what his eyes saw, um, where he didn't pull the trigger. And then he makes an unbelievable play, and everybody goes, well, wow, that's awesome. Well, let me tell you something. That doesn't translate to the pro game because, as we mentioned, all those guys are freaks. All of them are yeah. fast. You're not the only fast guy that's out there. We're talking about a defensive tackle that runs a, a four-seven that's entering the draft. You you want to know what Aaron Donald's probably not too far off of that. Yeah. Um, there's linebackers that you know before we would talk about. Oh yeah, you know four four five for a linebacker. That's really fast. That's almost the norm now yeah. um, for a lot of these guys. And we're talking middle linebackers. Um, you got defensive ends that are that are running four fours. Yeah, you know some of these guys, which is insane at the size that they are. They are fast, they're explosive, and they're ready to get after you. And the the thing is about Malik Willis is that I have watched him not trust his eyes, get himself into trouble where he has to bail himself out with his athleticism, and then hopefully he's able to make a play. Well, in the NFL, that's not going to work because you're just going to get sacked, or you're gonna, or you're gonna make a mistake because the, the defense pulled to your eyes, right? So. Yeah. Well, and I think that Ole Miss game is a good example, playing against some a quality opponent. SEC he couldn't, opponent. He couldn't escape. Yeah. And he took seven sacks, and they got destroyed in that game. So, uh, yeah, I'm worried about him. I, I don't know. Maybe in a couple of years, if he can sit on the bench and learn. Uh, but if he starts year one, whoever's starting him – because we've seen uh, some mocks with uh, the Steelers, him going there. Uh, I've seen some with him going to Seattle. Uh, so if he goes somewhere and he has to start year one, uh, he's going to be that team's going to be in a world of hurt. I think. I think Cody Let me Pickett. Ask, 
might might be all right. He doesn't have some of the physical assets that some of these other quarterbacks like Mahomes or Allen has, but he seems to be the the one that upstairs has the the most capability of this group. Now we have mentioned that this particular group, and this we're not here to like slight them and say, hey, they're bad football players, and none of them can turn out to be excellent pros. We're just trying to take from, let's say, last year's crop of quarterbacks. I think the top one at this in this group would probably be like QB six for in last year's draft. Yeah, last year's draft was absolutely loaded at the quarterback position. Let me ask you this, Ronnie: Is there a quarterback that you feel like? would be able to step in day one as a starter and have some success uh, in the NFL this next year as a rookie? I think if you pick it, and I'm not saying that he would out of this group, if I think he do that. Um, a lot of it, of course, is going to depend on who drafts him. Yeah. We always go back to that. So uh, I think – I think so for me, Cody Pickett kind of reminds me a little bit of Mac Jones. Good at football IQ, good smarts, okay physical ability. Uh, I mean, obviously, he played quarterback. You got to have some kind of arm, right? Yeah. So uh, if he's on a good team, he has good people around him, which likely is not going to happen. But uh, if a team has the opportunity to, to, to draft him where he can sit and learn, it's obviously going to be ideal for any of these guys, I think. But um, but if he has to start year one, I think Pickett's going to be your best your best choice. Now I've seen mock drafts and I've tried to put together mine, and I'll tell you it's it's an absolute crapshoot right now when it comes <laughs> it really to is. who's who's selecting quarterbacks and who's going where right now because it's such a deep group of players, but there's not a ton of them that really stand out as hey this is this is the guy. You know, if you're sitting at number nine, this is your guy. That that isn't there this year, at least from what I can tell so far, um, compared to other drafts. You know, obviously somebody's going to select somebody at number nine. What I'm trying to say is, at least at the quarterback position here, can you? I can foresee not a quarterback going in the first round. I can see maybe one. Um, I can I can see a number of different scenarios. I can see up to three or four maybe going in the first round. It's so hard to pick. Last year we knew that there was going to be you know, three or four guys within the first yeah. seven picks that were going to be quarterbacks. We knew that uh, and how that affects the draft, right? Then you can start to say, okay, well, these teams need X, Y, or Z. With this one, you got Philadelphia that has three picks that are sitting right there, I believe, at 17, 18, and 20, I want to say. Um, I could be wrong, but they're they're pretty close together. I can make an argument that they could draft a quarterback. I can make an argument that they won't. I can make an <laughs> argument that Pittsburgh uh, could draft a quarterback or they might wait uh, into the second round and draft one. I know a lot of Steelers fans, um, Jeff Lamb in particular, uh, one of the fans of the show, he's really high on uh, Malik Willis. I can see Malik Willis going early. I can see him dropping late into uh round one so what what are your thoughts who do you think is going to be the first quarterback taken uh out of this group the first one taken yeah if you want to give me the lottery numbers too that'd be great (laughs) (laughs) so here's my theory on this initially we were saying this could be the first time in a while that we haven't had a a quarterback taken the first round now we've seen 
other pro days. We've seen the combines. You know, a number of them put up some good shows. They did well. Uh, they didn't necessarily wow anybody other than Malik Willis. Um, here's my thought, though. We know that this draft is deep in wide receivers. We know it's deep on the offensive and defensive lines. Running backs typically last into the second or third round as well, and you can find good ones even later than that. Because of the depth at all these other positions, I would not be shocked if we have four or five quarterbacks go in the first round because teams can look at it like, well, let me go and grab this guy now, and then I can pick up my my wide receiver and my offensive lineman and my defensive lineman I need in the second, third, and fourth rounds, and then maybe there's a running back out there in the fifth round that, that I can that I can grab. So for that reason, I, I would not be shocked if we have four or five. And if you wanted to ask me right now, I think the first one, just kind of looking at the draft order, man, it could be the Giants. You got the Giants and Carolina at five and six. Carolina is still a possible destination for Garoppolo. So if that happens, I think Carolina is out of the running. So yeah. that would put us with the Giants, and then probably Atlanta would be the next option at eight. Who do you think that I? I think Malik is going to be the first one that goes goes first. I think he's going to be the first. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Desmond Ritter uh, jumped up and, yeah. and somebody somebody traded up to to get him because they wanted to make sure. I wouldn't be surprised at that at all. I think you're absolutely right, though. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think your mid-round draft picks in this particular draft are actually more valuable than they have yeah. been in the past. And I don't think your first rounders are as valuable as they have been in the past, um, which makes this such a difficult uh, draft uh, to go off of. Um, we will, by the way, those that have been asking last year, um, I did a, a mock draft challenge. We are going to have that again for the first round only. I will be shocked if we get five correct <laughs> in this year's mock draft. Last year, we had some really, really good one. I think we had 89 submissions last year. Um, so I'm hoping that we get that. Um, we will talk about uh, Ronnie and I are going to figure out a prize. We'll have one uh, solidified by next week that we can kind of start to advertise a, a little bit, but we will have that. But I'm going to tell you, I, I can see Malik Willis going um, early to a team like Carolina. Um, they're, they're used to having a, a quarterback there that, that has athletic ability. Um the commanders are another team that I think, you know, I, I don't think that they will trade up, but I wouldn't be shocked. They're in a good position with Carson Wentz there. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if they took a quarterback. I, I wouldn't yeah. be because they, they have the ability to, they have Taylor Heineke. Why not? Why wouldn't you add another guy to that room that at least has the ability to sit? Uh, because this is one of those groups that I think would benefit a kid to, to kind of sit back and watch the program for at least a year. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if Philadelphia picked one. I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, obviously Pittsburgh takes one. Um, I, I think even have I, Minnesota at 12 could potentially grab one. Yeah. I mean, uh, cousins didn't get any younger and his contract certainly isn't getting any smaller so. or cheaper or cheaper. <laughs> exactly. That's my point. He's so, just on uh, a one-year deal, right? Going into so. going into this year, so he won't be under contract most likely unless they do some sort of deal with him. So I think yeah. that's a, a good spot. Absolutely, I think that would be a good spot for one of these rookies where he could sit for a year. Um, yeah, I don't know. And then you've got my um, maybe Miami. I don't know. They seem to be pretty sold on Tua, even though the rest of the world's not. But 
Okay, University rolled outside of Miami. Sorry. I honestly don't think that. I think that was that's just kind of trying to give to a, the benefit of the doubt a little bit. But I think I'm not sold on him either. I wasn't sold of him coming out uh, of of the draft and him being picked as high as he was. I've never really been that high on him. Yeah, he played great at Alabama, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's Alabama. You're no, going to look good at the quarterback spot. <laughs> Here's the thing. So, and especially with quarterbacks, I've learned particularly over the last few years watching Josh Allen, you can't always just go off of the first year or two for a quarterback, right? I think I think that's a good lesson to be learned. However, the difference for me, I watch Josh Allen every single week for the first two years that he was drafted. I even, And then we watched him here at, when he played against Boise State. So I've seen a lot of him. There were plays and there were moments, even in his rookie year, like, oh my gosh, did you see what he just did? You can his see first it. two years, really. His first yeah. two years. You can that really where kind it was of see it and miss. you're like, man, if he could just bring all this together, he's going to be phenomenal. I haven't seen anything like that from Tua yet. And now if there's plays out there or or, yeah. or drive that I haven't seen, because admittedly I haven't watched every one of his games, send it to me. I'll check it out. I'll look at it. And maybe my mind will change. But right now I just haven't seen anything that stands out with him that says, okay, yeah, He's gonna he's gonna be okay, uh, and until I see that, I, I yeah, I'm not sold. One last guy I want to talk about here real quick before we get out of here is a homegrown guy here out of, of Boise State, and that's Khalil Shakir. I'm really excited to see where he goes. I think he has tremendous upside. He is yeah. a really good route runner. Um, he could potentially now. You hear a lot of teams, and we've even heard this from Mike McDaniel talking about Tyree Kill. Uh, yeah, we're going to try to put him in a Debo role. Let me tell you right now, there is one of one of Debo because he is <laughs> built like a running back that can play receiver. Tyree Kill is built like a receiver, okay? He's not going to be running inside the tackles like Debo does at times. Um, but Khalil Shakir is a guy that can fit into that mold a little bit of not necessarily a Debo Samuel, but that where that position is going with taking a lot more fly sweeps or screens. Um, he's really good after the catch. Um, he's a little bit more of a small guy. So he's six foot one ninety six, but that's where the receivers are right now. We're not seeing a lot of these, you know, six foot four, 225 pound guys that are named Terrell yeah. Owens. Um, we're not seeing that. We're seeing some it's, smaller guys that are very shifty, that get separation, yeah. that are able to run after the catch. It's he crazy how this that game profile. It is, it is really insane. I actually wish that I would have been maybe 10 <laughs> years younger because I think I would have fit into this mold a little bit better than I did when I played. But Khalil Shakir is a guy that I'm, I'm rooting for, one, because um, of where he comes from, but also – I think he's going to be a tremendous player, and I, I want to see where he goes. I want him to be in a really good situation yeah. because I think he can be a star in the NFL. Yeah. Oh, some of the plays that he made here at Boise State and some of those games with those, those receptions he was getting, like, oh, my goodness. I, there was many of them that I would have to pause and be like, call the wife over, babe, come check this out. <laughs> and yeah. It's just some of, the, some of the catches that he was making was phenomenal. Yeah, he and he's projected right. I mean, and this this talks uh, a little bit more about the depth. You know, he's a third round projected guy. Um, he's mostly compared to like a Richard Higgins, um, but his PFF grades in college, uh, 2019, 86.9, 2020, 86.2, 2021, 
2021, 86.7. So you want to talk about consistency yeah. um, in the three years that he played. Um, he, he, he'll he get some size. Like, you know, they're talking a lot about the cons of him being, you know, skinny and him not being overly fast. Listen, let's not forget that Jerry Rice ran a 4.6 um, at his combine. It's not, to me, it's not always about the yeah. 40 times, which by the way, he had a tremendous 40 time, by the way. He well, really Devontae did. Devontae Smith weighs like a hundred pounds. So that's the, yeah. that seems to be an issue I'm there. Not, so. Yeah. The NFL isn't what it used to be where you no, have LeVon Kirkland not. ready to knock your head off <laughs> running a slant. It's you're not going to get hit. It's about We're, how you're Levante able to catch the ball and run. Yeah. Oh man. Boy. <laughs> Bring that guy up. Antonio Brown twitched somewhere right now. He's about to make a commit a misdemeanor. I'm sure. That's a bad joke. That's not true. That's terrible. <laughs> it is. And put right up his alley. All right. Well, I think that's uh, about time to, to get out of here. But um, we're going to cut these back to once a week in the off season. Uh, I was talking with Ronnie. I need I need a little bit of an off season too. Plus, we don't want to to overpower everybody with talking about the draft twice a week. We're going to, we're going to get our content out there, but we want to make sure that it's good. We want to make sure that it, it's perfect for you guys. So we're, we're going to come on every Wednesday. Uh, 8 PM is going to be our time slot until we get to the season. Then we're committed to Monday nights and Thursday nights right after the games uh, to break down those and make our picks and, and all that stuff, which I'm really excited about Ronnie, uh, yeah, our picks. I cannot wait. Uh, Cause that was fun just in the, in the postseason, but um by the way dawson if you're still watching get playing your madden game please and scott <laughs> get playing your madden game i'm waiting for you guys sorry you know, we, we have a the scott <laughs> issue is on me i i still haven't sent the invitation i totally Good totally spaced it today but uh right after I'll, this ronnie yeah, get him I'll, in I'll there he, he bought the game which was a stretch for him okay <laughs> he he <laughs> he needs to be out there well, well him, we will be We'll get him at it. Well, we'll be back next uh, next Wednesday. I hope between that time, Ronnie and I, we played our game so we can talk some smack on here. But we're going to break down a little bit more of the draft, um, get a little bit more deeper in the weeds with it. Um, obviously, we'll probably have some more news uh, that we break. But uh, until then, Ronnie, uh, we're out, and I, I hope you guys all have a great week. Yeah, you guys have a good one. We're out of here. <laughs>